Welcome to Discomfort Zone, a podcast that explores the leadership journey. We are a group of women from all corners of the globe who are avidly excited by the leadership journeys of women around the world. We're coming together to have conversations about what it means to be a leader, who can be a leader, exploring what the leadership self-growth journey feels like, delving into how emotions can empower leaders, exploring diversity in leadership and more. No matter who you are or where you're based, we welcome you to join us on the leadership journey. need to be able to refill their cups in order to pour for others. This is an analogy that has made the rounds and become a familiar way of expressing the importance of taking time out to recharge, build new skills, reflect and think. Welcome to episode three of the Discomfort Zone podcast, where we will speak with women leaders of all ages and all corners of the world about how they refill their cups, how they use their hobbies and interests to recharge and to safely explore the discomfort zones We'll explore how we use recharging our cup in different ways to delve into different leadership skills like resilience, emotional intelligence, empathy, and courage. Hi, my name's Carol Silverberg. I'm a consultation liaison psychiatrist working in Melbourne, Australia. Hi, I am Charlotte Francesia from France, and I am a researcher in ecology studying migratory birds. Hi, my name is Jodie Salmond. I'm a marine researcher specialising in citizen science, conservation, biology and behaviour change. I work for an environmental charity and I'm based on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. Hi everyone, my name is Judith and I'm a molecular biologist at Yale University and I'm based here in Connecticut in the east coast of US. Hi everybody, my name is Nancy Glenn and I'm a professor of remote sensing and I'm from Boise, Idaho and currently in Sydney, Australia. Hi everyone, I'm Nirvani Devchiran. I'm based in Cape Town, South Africa, and I work in information technology. Hello, I'm Paula Silva. I am a water resources engineer, originally from Mexico, and uh, working for a consultant firm, Jacobs, out of the San Diego office in California. Hi, my name is Rachel Lani. I'm a wetland scientist, and I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in the US. Hello, I am Reina Camacho Toro. I am a particle physicist, originally from Venezuela. I'm working and living in France for the CNRS, the French National Center for Scientific Research. And my opinions are my own here in the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Roshni. I'm a special scientist based in Sydney, Australia. And so, ladies, tell me, what do you do to refill your cup? What do you find relaxing, recharging, inspiring and motivating? So I actually have a couple of things that I really like to do. And again, it really depends on where I am in the world and what I'm doing at the point in time. But I love acrobatics. So it's a really fun thing. It keeps you fit. I can do it in a park. I can do it absolutely anywhere and everywhere. So if you find me doing random handstands anywhere, that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm actually keeping myself sane. I find that getting upside down whenever I can is absolutely the most fun that I can have. And I, I really find that I, I can actually replenish myself very, very quickly by just sitting outside, doing a couple of handstands and I'm ready to go again, even in the middle of the day. The way that I refocus 
is I like to get on a trail and run real far. Run in the city if I have to, but I prefer to be out in the woods somewhere running. I'm interested in endurance kind of sports, running real far, running ultra marathons or doing triathlons, stuff like that. It clears my head and then I can only focus on what I'm doing. And that's, it's like wipes the slate clean and I can start fresh after that. That's what refills my cup. Hi, it's Nirvani. So for me, it's pretty much similar to Rachel. It's jogging. I, I do short distances. Time is normally a, a for premium for me, so I find it much easier just to get out on the road for half an hour, have a really good workout. It de-stresses me, refocuses my mind. For the, you know, I normally run in the evening after work. It's 30 minutes on the road versus 30 minutes in the gym, which I really don't enjoy. Don't enjoy being on the treadmill or running on the spot. So for me, going out, just looking at what's happening out in the neighborhood and admiring the flowers and the birds and the scenery works for me. It, that just really energizes me. I get back home and I feel like a different person and I'm ready to go. This is Nancy. And I, yeah, I completely agree with Nirvani. Just there's something about having exercise outdoors that's completely different than being indoors. And so I prefer to be uh, mountain biking or swimming or, or running, but um, even just doing yoga outside or sitting down and meditating for five or 10 minutes, definitely an opportunity to really breathe deeply and get some fresh air in the lungs that makes you feel completely different than just five minutes before. Hi, this is Judith. Yeah, I totally agree with Nancy. I love to be in nature, so that's a way for me to recharge. But I like to do it not alone. I like to do it with people. So I'm a person that I love to be with family and friends. And just being either indoors or outdoors, uh, it doesn't matter for me. Being with people is, is kind of the thing that refills my, my cup. And things like this one that we are doing right now is very motivating and inspiring to me. It's a way of knowing and learning about others which I feel is, is a perfect way to kind of grow, at least for me. So doing a podcast or knowing who you are, uh, how like, you do such amazing thing in your life, yes, for me, it's really motivating and inspiring. I also find it motivating and energizing to expand my horizons, though as more of an introvert, I tend to do this through reading books, watching movies or shows. I really like putting myself in the shoes of people or characters who are really different to me, exploring their ways of thinking, their belief systems, their experiences. Hi, this is Paula. I really agree with what Judith and the others are saying in that just having some time with nature and with people is really a way to recharge. For me, I will say that laughing is the best way that I get recharged. I mean, I could just laugh and laugh and laugh and then until my body aches and I would say that I it's not that difficult to make me laugh so <laughs> so that's that's an advantage that is um, something that I normally can do with family and friends and so that's probably why I normally like to be surrounded by people when when I need to recharge nice people that are funny and friendly <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, that's my, my way. I would also like to add that the things that I do will depend mostly on the situation that I am in. It has been changing across my life. So I used to do more, more specific activities when I was growing up, like theater and poetry and those type of things. But I'm not doing that. And, and I, I think I miss it. And I would like to do more about that and find the time to do it. 
I just wanted to comment on the fact that all of us uh, mentioned nature when we spoke. And uh, it's interesting because Homer Bounds' uh, strap line is Mother Nature Needs Her Daughters. And here we all are talking about it in our most natural way of feeling energized. I think the other one uh, thing that I wanted to just speak about that truly energizes me and it triggered the thought when Paula was speaking was being around little kids. You know, it's just their energy, their freedom, their open-mindedness. Um, it's just, it's very energizing. It's revitalizing. It also just makes me want to be a better person, to make the world a better person for them. It's just being surrounded by their openness and keenness uh, to learn and, and see everything so differently and it really makes a difference just to, to look at the world from through their lens. I, I was just laughing at what you were saying. Nirvana, yeah, this is Carol here. I, um, as far as being around little people, it is very refreshing seeing their points of view. But as someone who is pretty much in charge of two little people most of the time, I actually find it quite uh, draining of the cup. That's why I need my other activities to recharge and uh, refill. So with everyone else, I'm very into physical activity, although I don't. A couple of things. Firstly, as much as I would like to do it in nature, most of my stuff are indoors. And I think that that's probably arisen partly because of the little people. And my free times are usually when it's dark and uh, a woman going for a walk outside in the dark, you know, it's not probably the best idea. So I tend to stick more to the gym or yoga classes or things like that. So I, I do get my ride to and from work every day, which is wonderful, but uh, probably too short in that respect. I find the physical stuff important for physically de-stressing, but as far as mentally recharging, I, I tend more to the, the creative pursuits. Two of the things I most enjoy, one of them is doing ceramics and just getting your hands dirty and in with clay and messy and creating something, even if it's just ugly and you're going to smash it down after, is really satisfying. And... The other thing I enjoy is I played cello was part of an orchestra and that's that's a wonderful thing to do as well. I actually want to say I really love listening to everyone and agreed that there's so much nature-based stuff and I really appreciate where everybody is coming at with that. For me, I love being near the water so I don't even have to swim in it, although I will choose to every time, but just going for a walk on the beach or for me, every morning if I can go out and just watch the sun or feel the breeze or anything. And if that is only a minute, because that's the only amount of time I have, perfect. But for me, especially to wind down at the end of the day, we're all so busy and we seem to be getting busier and busier just because we put so much stress on our own lives. I really find that if I can take a couple of minutes out, often with a tasty beverage, but just sitting there and watching the sunset, doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter if I'm not even looking directly at the sunset itself but just the colours and just to sit there and take that 30 seconds, a minute, a couple of minutes and meditate if possible. But I think it's really important to have that attitude of gratitude. Like every morning, just think of a couple of things as you're waking up. What is the most important things to me? What am I grateful for? And at the end of the night, what am I grateful for? Just, I always choose three things every morning, every night. And it might be as simple as someone brought me a cup of coffee or I had a, a, an error on the printer and someone helped me or someone let me in front of them in line or it could be really big things, but it doesn't matter. The idea is that you're putting that mindset in place and especially in this time where we are now, 
I think mindset is super important. But then it's that motivating and inspiration and recharge. So if we can't be around people, then how do we get it? How do we fill our cup on our own time, on our own way? I noticed someone earlier mentioned that they get their energy from being around people. I do as well. I definitely, I just need to be around people and I feel energized. So how do we do it in, in, t- in a time when we can't physically be around so many people? For me, sometimes even those days that the weather is really bad to be outside, right? And maybe I can enjoy nature in the way that I like. Just coming back home and just either sit down by like just thinking what, how the day has been or either meditating or if you have the chance to have like a bath, just sit down, take a bath or take a simple shower and just be there. Just the only thing that, you, that I need is just to be there. And if you have a bath and you can have a whole bath, then you can have a glass of wine with it. I really love that part. It just makes two things that make me unwind. A little bit of wine, because I'm from an area in Spain that is really well known because of the wine. It's called Rioja. And, uh, and as well, because just the, the, the water just touching my skin. I don't know what it's, uh, what it's about. It just brings me back to either when I was little uh, to simple things, to just enjoy that moment. And for me, that's very relaxing and recharging. And doesn't matter how the day uh, was, at that point, um, I kind of forget about it. It's Charlotte. Um, I totally agree with everything that has been said about the importance of outdoor activities and the proximity to nature. One thing I personally have found enjoyable is to take weekend hikes with friends or family. And uh, while I am normally an extremely talkative woman, um, I found I can spend hours um, in utter silence while walking in the mountains. I guess I just dream and for one accept the limits of my own company. And I do love the pleasure of finding a place to sleep at the end of the day, um, preparing dinner, sitting in the grass, overcoming the fatigue and just enjoying the present. And I think um, hiking is definitely an amazing way to distance oneself from the busy daily life while, while still being able to reconnect oneself with nature's and one's inner being. I found cooking and baking can also be about sharing and creating something. And I have also started sewing as well and find it's a good way to concentrate. It's interesting to hear different people talk about whether exercising with others is recharging or doing something on your own is recharging. And I've always found that getting exercise by myself helps me clear my perspective and it's a time for myself. But during COVID, I haven't been able to do that. And I've been doing a lot of yoga with my teenage daughter, which we never have done before together. And it's been amazing. It is like one of the best things that has come out of being at home and seeing her get healthier and stronger has been just really rewarding. I agree with what Jody said about just taking the time to just, you know, sort of be grateful for whatever it is in your day. And then besides just, you know, running real far, I also like to just sit on my patio in the shade and have a cup of tea. And that by myself for five minutes while I drink my tea is enough to refresh me most days. 
I'm unlike the rest of you in that I like to do all of my things alone. I like to run real far by myself, just sit on my patio by myself. But I'm an introvert, so that's... Hi, this is Paula. I'd like to kind of summarize something that I've heard about the need to recharge physically, but the importance of also doing some spiritual, like the creative, more mind-related, um, and also what you also mentioned, uh, Judith, on some connection with your identity. So that actually sparked and made me realize uh, for me that dancing is essential because for me, I love dancing. It's when I really feel that I disconnect because I'm moving my body, I'm letting my my spirit move, and, and and also has a huge connection with my identity because in Mexico, music is a huge part, and you always hear sounds and music, and someone is playing. So when I feel that I'm, I want to recharge, just put some music and I dance and even like five minutes and that really gets me back to feeling more happy with myself. That's Carol here on uh, dancing. I, <laughs> that's one of my things that I go out and do quite regularly and it's, it's just amazing and very freeing and it's one of the things that I do like to do physically with other people because I think I'm, as far as physical activities, I'm more in the Rachel camp where I like to do them alone, except for dancing. With you, I love dancing. Indeed, I am a Zumba instructor, so yeah, I love dancing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love Zumba. <laughs> I have no, I have no rhythm, uh, and I, I barely, I don't get my my timings all wrong. But I love it. I have great fun. Um, I come out of it more energized than the instructor does, I think. But I, I think something else that that I've been able to do during this time of COVID is one of my hobbies is to cook and bake. Um, and now I have a really busy work schedule, so in a normal work day, it's really just cook the bare minimum. <laughs> what I need to get on, this, on, on the thing that cooks the fastest and you get that out on the table and you know, not, not really spend much time preparing any meals or baking. But now with COVID, I find I actually have time to try out new things and new recipes and share pictures and recipes and have lots of comments from family and friends because everything ends up on uh, social media, you know, everything that's happening in the kitchen. So it's, for me, that's been really nice and refreshing and getting back to something. I've forgotten how much I enjoyed cooking and uh, baking. I also love to bake and cook and actually with not needing to commute, because I'm working from home at the moment due to COVID-19, I'm saving so much time and it means that I can put that time into making more creative dinners or baking nice desserts, which I otherwise wouldn't get the time to do. It's a creative pursuit that brings me real happiness and helps me grow in a sideways direction. <laughs> so I think a couple of things I've heard amongst that. One is that this idea of creativity. So what does that mean for everybody? And funnily enough, I had mentioned earlier that I think it's all about these connections. We're creating these connections in different ways now. And I love, I've always loved to work with my hands. I'm a terrible painter, but I love to paint or I love to make things. My whole family are builders. So I suspect it's possibly been inbred into me that I have to build things. I've hooked up with different artists of late to create little events for all the volunteers I work with. So last week we painted rocks of all things. Like I actually learned how to paint them not as easy as it looks, but learn how to paint rocks. This week we're making vision boards and we're making beeswax wraps. And so we're looking at all these different little items that are easy, 
So sometimes if you do have the materials around your house, like rocks and paint, that's easy enough to do. This is Reina. I am really happy about this discussion because it does make an important link between life, work, balance, mental health and leadership. So my main two hobbies are hiking and drawing, painting. Since my time at college, during my bachelor and until a couple of years ago, I had a great opportunity of living in cities surrounded by mountains. First the Andes in Latin America and Venezuela and later on the Alps. And I learned to love them, to respect the nature and actually to recharge my energy there in the mountains. On the other hand, my relationship with painting and drawing was different and it has definitely evolved with time. I started painting when I was uh, very little and I was drawn to it for the creative part of it, you know, the idea of of painting the world in my head at the time. Um, There was always this creative component on on that. Um, Afterwards, I stopped painting for many years and I just started again four or five years ago. And, And now I'm enjoying it in a different way. Actually, I'm more focused on drawing real objects and faces where where I can really see in the real world. And and it really helps me with strengthening the the focus and the concentration muscles. So, ladies, tell me a little bit more about how do these practices, these hobbies and interests that you have, help you to hone and develop your skills as a leader, your resilience, your courage, your emotional intelligence and empathy and more. Hi, it's Carol here. I think that playing in an orchestra helps as a leader because you're not the leader and you are just one in a big group working collectively for uh, to create a, a greater thing and you really, really into everyone who's around you in your section, in other sections, as well as looking at the conductor. But it's it's really Uh, useful for me to be doing something totally outside of what I usually do and uh, and although I used to play a lot of cello when I was young these days it's certainly out of my comfort zone and so it keeps me on my toes and I think it's uh, really a really useful thing to be creating something creative in a group that helps you to be in touch with other people and so I've found that very useful as a leader is to not be the leader. So it's not Rani. Uh, for me, I guess I, I'm a, I am my own worst critic. And um, when I go for a run, it's normally the time that I use to reflect and think about what went wrong and what I, what I could have done differently. And quite often I have to remind myself that I should not dwell on what I did wrong, but how do I recover from it? I think the quote from Nelson Mandela, the late Nelson Mandela, always you know, truly resonates with me. And it goes like this, do not judge me by my successes, judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Resilience is tough and it's so much easier to just give up or you know, when you've done something wrong to dwell in that space of negativity. So giving me, going for a run gives me that space to clear my mind, think about things differently. Um, and I come back and I'm like, okay, that's it, done, understand what I've done wrong and what I'm going to do to make it better. And it, it's, it gives me then, you know, that, that time of just thinking um, gives me the energy. When I come back, I'm feeling refreshed, I'm energized, I know how to go back and tackle things differently. So that makes a huge difference for me. I would add to that, 
not just clearing your head and having a new perspective, but for me, getting my heart rate up very high is almost just like a cleansing of some of those negative thoughts or some of those harsh words that I might have for myself and kind of purging that from my body. And so I think that there's a time for, at least for me, for reflective practice that you know, might happen through yoga, but then there's also a time where I really need to get my heart rate up and really kind of expunge everything and breathe really hard. I think also, you know, having more creative exercises like cooking and gardening where there's there's some type of a product that you can share with others is really also an opportunity to to show empathy and that you care for others. So it brings more people into your fold and an opportunity for you to be part of a community. So it's dirty. I just wanted to think back on what Navani just mentioned. One of my favorite concepts is the concept of failing forward. And so, especially in this time at the moment, there's so much pressure. I guess it depends on where you're working and what realm and your home life and all of these things have changed at the moment. So it's really easy to think I have to get through this. I have to be resilient. And so then it becomes really full of pressure on yourself. I don't think it's from everybody else. I think everybody is realizing it's really difficult times, but I I find I'm putting a lot more pressure on myself to still accomplish so many tasks. And so then I think, am I actually resilient? And I'm trying to build resilience, but then I get stressed about that component. So I think it's really remembering a, to be really kind to yourself, really easy to say, very hard to do, to keep thinking back and going, it's okay. Trying to actually think about, Yes, the things that went right for you, celebrate those tiny little wins. But when things don't go right, it's actually learning from it. So how do we fail forward and celebrate those failures? And one of my favorite other sayings is actually, it says, wow, that really sucks. I can't wait to see what I'm going to learn from this. And really flipping that concept and going, yeah, it's okay to understand that some things suck. Sometimes you do have a bad day, but then taking a little bit of that laughter in it and going, I am so excited to see at the other end of this, what I'm going to learn and move on from that. And I think that is really about building resilience there. That's how you build it into yourself and into those around you. Hi, it's Carol here. I just wanted to touch on what a couple of other people have alluded to. And I think that this arises out of the COVID epidemic, which is this pressure to produce or demonstrate how much you're doing, especially in your little spare time that you do have. And you know, people are putting things up on social media about what they've baked or learning new languages and trying to demonstrate all this. And First of all, I'm in a very, I suppose, lucky position in that my life hasn't changed all that much and I still have to go into work. My kids are still in school and so my life hasn't changed, but I'm observing this in a lot of other people and I'm a bit concerned that everyone is not being able to have their capacity to recharge and replenish and build that resilience that uh, Jody was talking about. And I wanted to put a little, uh, you know, thing out here at the moment for sleep and the value of sleep in refilling the cup and recharging. It's um, Roshni. I can definitely agree with Carol around the need for sleep. I find that it's important not only in maintaining a sense of productivity and in preventing burnout, but most significantly, it keeps my mental health up, which helps me to be patient, compassionate, empathetic, to consider decisions from all necessary perspectives, and to allow myself the headspace 
to do proper due diligence in all the places it's required, making me a better leader. To facilitate good sleep hygiene, I need to have some level of self-discipline to get to bed on time, to be able to prioritise tasks effectively, and know what needs to be done today, the difference between important and urgent, and really understand what the bigger picture is that all of my tasks, however big or small, fit into, so I do the right ones at the right times. Uh, when Jodie said, wow, that sucks, let's see what happens next, that's me every step of an ultra marathon. Like, wow, that hill sucks, let's see what happens next. Because you have to just keep doing that if you're going to do an endurance race or do some crazy task at work or something you're not good at or used to or whatever. So I think that's only just like one of the things that transferable from my running practice to my leadership skills but I think other things that come from running that are transferable time management because you got to get there under uh, a deadline um, you got to keep going so you make it there so you've got a 10 hour deadline and you're a nine and a half hour um, nine hour and 30 minute race runner you've got to just keep on it and so that's that kind of skill is transferable to projects you know and just like the self-discipline you know, to keep doing these things that you have to do to keep moving forward, either a project or whatever. I think a lot of that is the same in running as it is in leadership. Uh, hi, this is Paula. I'd like to make the connections of the things that I believe theater has taught me in for empathy. One of the things that you need to do when you are performing is to pretend you are somebody else, right? That you are that character that you are trying to make the public believe that you are, right? So that requires an exercise of empathy because you literally put yourself and act as if you were somebody. So that, I think, is a skill that you developed. Empathy, um, you can actually work on that, and it's about the ability to imagine what other people feel, what that character went through, what is their story. So... I think theater is very powerful and actually has been used for psychological things and just, you know, trying to act as if you were somebody else. So I think um, that is one of the tools that is available through education and as a kid to really uh, work on empathy. And also an another skill is being able to control your emotions and even though you are so scared of go out there and be in front of everybody just do it I think that is also something that was very useful for me even though I'm not practicing that anymore uh, since I did it as a kid I think it really helped me in my self-confidence and in my empathy that is something that I think as leaders we should promote that as part of the education of every kid in every country regardless of the economic background or the situation there are things that we could do promote that type of uh, activities because if you don't do it as a kid it's really hard that you keep doing it as an adult as I was thinking myself of the things that, that I enjoy are the things that I did as a kid so that's why it's so important that you have music class that you have theater that as a kid your parents are leaders or governments provide those um, those opportunities for as many people as and as many kids as we can because that really has a huge impact. Charlotte, just as Carol said when describing her experience with the orchestra, I found there is a similar situation in the theater. You are not a leader, you are a team. And 
In this case, trust and listening are keys to creating a good team. The theater teaches one how to speak in public, how to listen to emotions, both our own and those of others. And we must, we also must learn how to connect with one another and how to tell stories. And if we want people to enjoy the play, we must be honest, sincere. Yet even though it is all imaginary, we must present it as real for the duration of the play. With us have to understand our own emotions and put trust into our team. It is all done live with all the implied pitfalls. And sometimes we have to improvise. And to do that, we must know our own roles, understand our interactions with the other characters, but also know the strengths and weaknesses of the other actors as well. For example, um, how would he or she react if somebody makes a mistake? Is there an imaginative way of bypassing the error? And so on. So yes, emotional and collective intelligence are needed. And actually for my Homeward Bound application, I presented my theatrical experiences as the major part of defining who I am. I started acting when I began my master's studies and while preparing my PhD, I became the president of a theatrical association with 100 members and they were divided into seven groups, each one tasked with producing a different play. We organized monthly open stage meetings, presented two theater festivals, And actually, this was um, one of my first opportunity to assume a real leadership role. We had a fantastic year, and I'm really proud of what we accomplished. I also think teaching games centered around the theater can prove beneficial to both children and adults. Such games make us listen, teach us how to connect with one another, make us understand how emotions can become a driving force while at the same time um, we must try to convince and persuade the audience that this is all true. Um, it is also a moment in time where you are pretending to be someone else with a need to think differently. I think maybe just to touch a bit on what Paula was saying around empathy and as well as emotional intelligence, I found during this time of COVID-19 um, and working virtually, it's required, I imagine, as a leader to have a much higher level of empathy for the people, the teams that we are working with, the different conditions and circumstances that everybody is at, you know, whether it's economic or uh, social, some of them need that social interaction. So it's been able to connect with everybody at different levels. So as a leader, I found I've needed to engage my team in a different manner across this period and very different to how it was in the face-to-face -face world and you find the needs of people are so fundamentally different in a virtual world and, and as much as i'm in uh, information technology and my team are as well they're still very social beings um, and require that engagement so from an empathy point of view it was also just to find you know touch points as to how we relate to one another and feel so that we still feel as work as a team and they feel like they belong to a bigger team and contributing to you know, the company's success. I work for a large corporate and you know, from an emotional intelligence point of view, it's around understanding the fact that we're not trading, so revenues are down, how do I keep the team motivated? It's not about me, it's about the greater good of my team 
the organization, the business at, at large. So it requires really very different degrees of and levels of working and, and operations and to be able to, to navigate through all of these different uh, stages that everybody's at, as well as, you know, until we come out of this economic situation that we're in, to be able to deal with all of this and still keep yourself energized so that to your team, you still motivate, you inspire and support them. So you have to take that time for yourself, which is very difficult to do, but to take that time now and just make sure you get yourself energized, you find those those areas that motivate you and inspire you so that you can go ahead and help create this team that works much better. As a leader, it's not easy uh, because, you know, everyone's looking to you to give direction and give hope and, and remain positive. So, um, yeah, we need to take that time for ourselves. Hi, this is Judith. I would like to change a little bit the question and I would like to say that for me, they not only help, I think they are essential. So all these things that I do in my extra time that we can call hobbies, so we can call spending time with family, friends, for me they are essential for being a leader and doing what I do. Why? Because most of the ideas that I get from my research are coming out in these moments where I'm doing something else, I'm not doing science. And suddenly you have this kind of eureka moment when you are riding your bike, when you are talking to your sister, and, and for me, that's why they are essential. So they are like, for me, it's like eating or sleeping. They are essential needs for who I am as a leader and who I am as a person. And as well, I can go back to the first question and try to think on those moments, relaxing, recharging, and inspiring and motivating that I have them in my hobbies, but as well, I have them in my leader, like as a scientist. So I do have relaxing moments in science as well as I have relaxing moments during my hobby. So I think the first question and the second one goes connected. What I do outside work is the same kind of what I do at work. The things are the different, right? And, and I think for me, things like the meditation part is, is big in emotional intelligence and um, how can I be a better person? How can I be more intelligent with my emotions and with emotion of other people? How can I listen better to either family and friends or on people that work with me? How can I be more thankful and as well grateful what I have? And as well, how can I transmit and convey that as a leader? Empathy is a big one as an extrovert, I think, uh, when you are trying to listen to others and try to understand and be there by their sides. So I would say that um, me as a leader in my in work is, the, is needed um, due to my hobbies or the other way around. Without my hobbies, I can be a leader the way that I am. That was really beautiful listening to everyone. And I think it's amazing how everyone is coming at this from so many different angles. For me, it's a great space to actually listen to everyone else and their input and kind of understand how we all fit together, how we're all such different leaders, but then how do we take any of these lessons and kind of continue to put them into our own practices? And the one thing that really comes up for me, we've got some great discussions around how do we relax and recharge and inspire and motivate? And I love that. How do we refill our cup to become the best leaders? Because only when we've reached that point, can we let that overflow? And can we truly lead from the heart as well? 
And what I wanted to point out in some of this is that I actually think that courage and vulnerability are two of the strongest things that you can do as a leader, especially during these times when everything is coming out. And as Navani mentioned earlier, like how do we actually become that best leader? How do we lead by example to make sure everyone else is okay? It keeps coming back to everyone else. But as we started off on this, we need to understand how do we refill our cup first? That's the only way we'll ever be able to lead properly. And I think when you're vulnerable and when you're able to actually state, I need help. Even as a leader, I need help. I am not okay. I need to go and take time out for myself. I need to recharge. And again, that might be that 30 seconds. It might be literally stepping outside, sitting there and go, I need to take some breaths. Okay. And being able to be that open with your staff is actually vital. That's how you really create a really big team. That's how you be, show that you are authentic. And that is how you will get people to be around you. They want to be around you and you will be able to lead in a much better way, I think. It's Carol here. And I don't think I could put it any better than Jody has just put it as far as the essentialness of all these I suppose, extracurricular things we do. And just on that topic and also saying what Judith was saying is that I think calling these things hobbies really minimizes and belittles their importance. And that maybe we need to think of some other term for all these extra things that we're doing because they're not hobbies. They are essential for being the best version of ourselves and being able to take what we have in the overflow of our cup and take that to our leadership and to the rest of our lives. I can't agree enough with Carol on that point. For me, I've grown up in a context where I have two workaholic parents and there's always been a very overt expectation that we must all be productive 110% of the time. Everything must relate to education or work and time off is kind of like a bad thing. So I'm now in a mindset that's quite difficult to break, one of constant performance, but I know it isn't really healthy. And yet when I take time for myself to recharge, I feel some sort of an inner conflict. But as Jodie said, until we can learn to fill our cups to overflow, how can we possibly become the best leaders we can? For some of us, productivity comes from being achievement-driven. For some of us, we are cultural or other minorities and feel a drive to prove ourselves. For some of us, it's a gender inequality thing. But, you know, we can turn this around and use the diversity that we bring to benefit our organisations and our causes as leaders if we can leverage them positively rather than being trapped by them. I just like to add that I I think I have a new hobby and that is recording podcasts and listen to podcasts now. Thank you for that. Many of us are always, you know, are trained to keep busy and to not relax. And whether that is training as a scientist or an engineer in my case and that um also growing up uh productivity was valued um was, was a strong value. And um, my husband is completely opposite of that, where um, in the middle of the day, he'll sit down and read a book while I'm looking around the house going, what the heck? Like, how could you be reading a book when there's like, everything is in disarray and, you know, there's even like a little speck on the counter that needs to be wiped up. But that's his like time to recharge. And then, and then he can work for another 10 hours, you know, 
cleaning up the house and doing everything that needs to be done. But he'll, you know, it's always just very surprising to me that he'll just sit down and take like a 10 minute power nap or sit down and, and read a book for five or 10 minutes um, or even watch part of a movie in the middle of the day. I, ca- I just can't even believe that. But anyways, it's just like different ways of coping and getting that recharge and being respectful of, um, it, it, takes a, it takes a lot for someone that's been trained to always just be productive, to be respectful of that other way of being and knowing that they're recharging so they can be helpful to other people as well and not being too critical of that. I'd like to add just a quick reflection on, on what I've learned so far on what are the characteristics that um... this is Suraina and I'm more than talking about the, the first two hobbies that I mentioned uh, before I, I want to talk about a third activity that I started very recently and uh, and I'm not sure I could call it a hobby yet but uh, but I wanted to mention this because it connects with something that was mentioned by Paula, Paula before uh, which is the link with identity so a couple of years ago I moved to a new city. Um, it was uh, almost 10 years after leaving my home country, Venezuela, almost 10 years since I was living in Europe. And I felt at that point when moving to Paris, the need to connect to my home country at a different level. I've been connected with them at the academic level, but uh, of course the family level. But uh, I wanted to connect at the cultural level. So I started learning how to play an instrument that is called the Cuatro. Uh, it's like a small guitar and it, have, uh, it has four strings instead of five. You can find cuatros in Central and South America uh, and it's a national instrument in Venezuela. And I can tell you it's been a right. It's been fun, uh, it's been uh, nostalgic for me, but also frustrating at times too. And I guess the point I want to make is the value of learning new things. First times are not easy, uh, but they are important. I, I cannot imagine life without learning always something new. An activity needs to have in order to really have the consequence of, of making you feel better. And it's just doing it because you want it without any reward, without any recognition, without just because of the joy of doing it. And Sometimes a hobby, like a sport or like an artistic thing, can become actually a pressure if you do it to achieve something or to perform. So I think that, um, it's really important to, to just do it because you want to do it without any reward. And it's a good exercise for anything that we do. I mean, if, if you really just do it because of the joy and the energy that it produces us, it's more authentic. and it really flows better. So I, I need to keep reminding myself because then the selection of, of the things that I do for like a hobby, then the productivity comes into, into the, the selection process. And, and that is not good. Like, okay, I'm going to do this because then I'm going to kill two birds with the same rock or something. So I need to remind myself, just do it because I, I enjoy it and, and I, there won't be any any price for it or anything additional. One of the difficulties for me is when, because I usually need to have a structure. So then if I start doing something and I like it, then I want to put it every week, right? Or, or, or have always a schedule. 
and then at the end I don't enjoy it anymore <laughs> it's like it becomes something that I need to do instead of something that I want to do yeah I was gonna say even though uh I love running and that most days that refills my cup and recharges me there are days where I don't want to and that the thing I need to do that day is something different like maybe that day running is just going to make me angry and I need to go lay in a hammock for half an hour or something, you know, instead of going for a run. So I think that the things that we do to recharge totally can change day to day or morning to night or week to week or where we're at, you know, different times of our lives. Cause five years ago I hated running, but you know, so I think, I think that also being aware of what we need in that moment is also important and not to feel obligated to do it a specific way. For many of us, the ability to engage in our hobbies and interests changes over time, sometimes due to changes in the way we live and the time available to us because of family, children, sometimes due to socioeconomic position, sometimes as a result of health factors, and many more reasons. Over time and as we move through our lives, our interests evolve as do the things we crave from our hobbies. At times, it is more important that they provide us with a refuge, a safe place to re-energize and de-stress, such as enjoying time in nature or with family and friends, dancing or jogging, cooking or reading a book. At other times, they can afford us the opportunity to develop our self-discipline, set ambitious goals and stretch ourselves to reach them, such as running a marathon. And yet, at other times, they offer us the chance to expand our perspectives with new points of view, reaching into the experiences of others to develop empathy, such as delving into art through poetry, movies, or theatre. However it is that our hobbies and interests work for us, they're an important part of every leader's journey. Thank you for joining us on the Discomfort Zone podcast. We look forward to delving into dealing with failure in Episode 4 coming up soon. 